This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. Is a consumer proposal right for me? And we've talked a lot about consumer proposals, but this one is such a good segment because if you've heard about it, but you don't know all the ins and outs of it or how it could, what, what the difference is to, uh, between it and other options, this is the segment. Uh, Blair's going to outline consumer proposals, the key aspects of this solution that's available to Canadians to deal with debts. So Blair, let's start at the very beginning. Can you talk about um, what a consumer proposal is and what are some of the advantages in choosing a consumer proposal? Yeah, with pleasure, Elaine. Again, I've often said a consumer proposal is the most powerful debt solution you might never have heard of. So I'm really happy today. We're just going to focus on giving you all the ins and outs of a consumer proposal, tell you how it applies to various situations. And even if it's not relevant to you, probably somebody in your life might benefit from knowing this. You can at least be a resource for others. And who knows where the future goes, knowing that this can be an option for anybody if they face tough situations is always good to have in your back pocket. So a consumer proposal, it's a debt solution, allows you to legally consolidate all of your debts, so put them all together into a single repayment plan that usually offers your creditors a partial recovery of your debt, so you pay back what you can afford on the debt, but legally it's in full satisfaction, so you can never be held accountable for the balance that's unpaid. So consumer proposals give you a unique opportunity to consolidate debt without having to borrow money, without having to pay any interest charges, and again, you receive that partial debt forgiveness without having to resort to a personal bankruptcy. When you do a consumer proposal, the repayment terms are flexible and they're tailored to an individual's circumstances, so they can fit a wide variety of situations, everything from a single payment that a third party is helping you out to pay off your debts at a reduced rate, to up to five years of monthly payments that might be the same every month, or they might start low and then increase a little bit or as we expect the income to go. There's a lot of different ways a proposal can be structured. Now, a consumer proposal can only be filed by working with a licensed insolvency trustee, and your trustee is going to be your ally side-by-side side throughout the entire process. You don't need a referral. You don't need to pay any middlemans, any uh, lawyers or legal advisors or anything like that. You just meet with a trustee um, to, to investigate whether a consumer proposal is going to work for you. And there's just a number of benefits. You know, we've talked about the ability to put the debt into a single payment that can really simplify your life. You'll know on what day, what amount is coming out to deal with. You know, it could be 15 or 20 different debts. Uh, reducing the debt to an affordable amount, eliminating all of the interest. And then what's also great, too, is a consumer proposal gives you protection and breathing room. So if you're in a consumer proposal, you're protected. None of your creditors are able to sue you, able to take your wages, seize your assets, anything like that. And you also get breathing room because they're not even allowed to call you. Once a trustee is appointed, you don't have to deal with any of your creditors anymore. The trustee steps in the middle. You deal with the trustee. The trustee deals with everybody else in your behalf. And what about your assets? How protected are they, Blair? 
Well, they're fully protected. So if you're doing a consumer proposal, um, nobody is allowed to take any legal actions against you. So if you have you know, a car loan or a mortgage and you just want to keep those assets, you're worried they could be taken from you. If you do a consumer proposal, you just keep making the car payments, keep making the mortgage payments. You've got no risk at all that those assets would be in jeopardy. Okay. Is there a ceiling uh, for the amount of debt that I could get rid of using a consumer proposal? Yeah, so in the law, the limit for a consumer proposal is it can be applied to debts up to $250,000 for an individual, and that excludes a mortgage on your principal residence, because most mortgages are greater in excess of that. But in terms of your typical unsecured debts, if you know your credit cards, income taxes, student loans, lines of credit, personal loans, everything like that, um, up to an amount of $250,000 can be dealt with in a consumer proposal. And there's also the ability to do a joint consumer proposal if, if two or more individuals have some debts in common, they can pool their debts together and it can be up to $500,000 of debts can be dealt with in a consumer proposal. But what's powerful in a consumer proposal is taking whether it's, you know, oftentimes it's in you know, the seventy dollars or $80,000 range, but even if it's up to the $250,000 range, it's how much can that be reduced in a consumer proposal. And quite often it can be reduced by 50 cents on the dollar, even up to 80 cents on the dollar. There are many situations where people might owe $100,000 and know they can't pay it back. We do a proposal for $20,000. They make monthly payments over a period of time, and it's a win-win in that their creditors actually got something back on their debt, and the person avoided having to file for a personal bankruptcy proceeding, which they would, of course, rather not to do. Yeah. Uh, Listen, if you have heard this information and you already know that you want to investigate a consumer proposal more and and really take a look at if this is the option for you, Sands & Associates can be reached easily at 1-800-661-3030. And I know, Blair, you've got offices pretty much all over British Columbia right now. What's, What's the latest number of offices you've got? Yeah, we're at 25 offices all wow. over the province. So, yeah, we're able to help everybody from, you know, coast to coast, I guess not coast to coast, but border to border of this great province, border to coast. <laughs> there, you to yeah, there you go. There you go, border to border. Um, yeah. So what does a person have to do during their consumer proposal besides uh, make sure that those payments are made? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the payments are obviously an important component, and we just do those by pre-authorized withdrawal any day of the month that works for the individual. But another really important component of the proposal is the financial counseling component. So you have to attend two private financial counseling sessions. They're both around 45 minutes each with a friendly, qualified insolvency counselor. And these sessions are not about making you feel bad about perhaps some mistakes or things you could have done different. These are all supportive conversations to give you professional tools, strategies, resources to really help you increase your financial literacy in areas such as budgeting and spending habits, financial planning, goal setting, credit scores, and more. So our whole idea is to give you all the tools that you need that going forward you'll be able to manage a budget, to rebuild your credit as quickly as possible, um, and even to sit down and set financial goals. Sometimes it can be tough when you're sitting there with $100,000 of debt and you can't see the light um, to actually think, you know, I deserve to have some goals, short, medium, and long term, and going through a consumer proposal can give you the means um, to start to think about those goals and what you actually want to achieve financially, and that's one of the greatest parts of the council is sitting down, setting those goals, breaking them down into manageable steps, and we'll work with you on that during at least two sessions during your consumer proposal. Uh, Aside from making the payments and doing those counselings, there's other some minor things, a lot of things you'll do without even thinking that they're really special for the proposal. You'll want to keep up to date on your tax returns, so you want to file your taxes every year just to maintain compliance as a taxpayer. 
Um, in terms of your income, all of your income gets paid directly to you, so there's nothing you need to be concerned about. The proposal doesn't intercept any of your wages. Your employer doesn't even need to know about that. So in general, you'll make the payments each month, you'll meet for the couple of financial counseling sessions, and you'll just enjoy the breathing room that you've got. Most people have a much better budget because now all their debts is consolidated down or reduced them out with no interest compared to how they were maybe robbing Peter to pay Paul or really scrimping on groceries or other things the family needed because everything was going to pay debts. What about the time involved, Blair? How long does a consumer proposal take to, uh, to run? Yeah, so there's limits within the law. So a consumer proposal, usually it's structured with monthly payments, and the maximum term for a proposal is 60 months uh, or up to five years. Some consumer proposals offer just a single lump sum payment. So I've often said if someone is considering helping a family member out to pay off their debt, they should help them with a single lump sum consumer proposal payment, which could be as little as 15 or 20 cents on the dollar, rather than paying everything off in full for another party. So a consumer proposal can be that short of a single payment, or can be as long as up to five years. But what's great in a consumer proposal is it's flexible. So if a situation changes, and let's say you're signed up for five years of payments, but hey, things are so much better off, you can pay the proposal off early at any point. There's no interest, no penalty. And the sooner you pay it off, typically the sooner it'll get removed off your credit report and you can move forward that much more quickly. Now, the one thing about Sands & Associates I've learned over the years of working with you, Blair, is that you guys really listen to people. And I know that there's other things that people tend to ask about when it comes to a consumer proposal, sort of smaller things and or something that's, uh, you know, bothering somebody. Do you want to talk a little bit about those? Yeah, there's definitely some really important questions a lot of people tend to ask. You know, one that comes up quite a bit when we're dealing with couples is, how is this consumer proposal going to affect my spouse? Uh, the short, quick answer is it's not. It's not going to affect your spouse unless your spouse has any shared debt. If there's any joint debt, well, then that joint debt um, you know, is now going to be just that spouse's responsibility. But otherwise, there's no responsibility at all, no impact on the other person's credit rating. If one spouse does a consumer proposal and has unique debts that aren't shared, it's possible for the other spouse to not even be aware of that proceeding. Now, that's not our recommendation. We recommend you know open and transparent conversations about finances within couples, but it really is the case that one couple or one member of a couple deciding to restructure their debts can have literally zero impact on the other member of the couple, other than suddenly the person is a lot less stressed and has a better budget and lower debt payments, all of that, but there's no negative impact to the other spouse. Excellent. And people always want to know, what's the cost? What's it going to cost me to do a consumer proposal? How do you work that out? Yeah, a lot of people are sometimes waiting for the catch or waiting for the other shoe to drop. So I'll finish the meeting. I'll say, yeah, here's the proposal. We're going to offer back, um, you know, $300 a month for 60 months, you know, $18,000 back on $50,000, for example, which those are real numbers. We do that all the time. They say, okay, that's great, but what's your fee? And I say, well, my fee is included in all of that. So what happens when you file a consumer proposal is you're subject to a government tariff for consumer proposals. What that means is once we've figured out you can afford to pay back $300 per month, not all of that $300 goes to the creditors. About 80% of it does, but about 20% of that, so in this case about $60 of your $300, would come to the trustee for costs of administration. So from the client's point of view, there's never any upfront charge. There's nothing above and beyond what the person can afford to repay in the proposal. Essentially, the cost Costs are being borne by the creditors, deducted from the payments that they would receive uh, before they're sent on to them. Okay. And in the final minute and a half or so, 
how does somebody go about starting a consumer proposal? It's very straightforward, and the first step is often the toughest one just because you don't always know what you're walking into. People are always worried, you know, am I going to be judged? Am I going to be talked down to? And that's absolutely not what you're going to receive with Sands and Associates. The first step is to reach out for that consultation. So we guarantee you're going to meet with a qualified, empathetic, either a trustee or insolvency estate manager, someone who knows their stuff and has dealt with a lot of situations and maybe similar or maybe different, but has the right tools to help you out of that situation. The first step is to reach out for the consultation. From there, we'll guide you along every other step. You'll fill out an application form. You'll give us some basic information about your debts, your assets, your income. And then generally, as quick as just a few days from our first meeting, or as slow as you need to feel comfortable, some people it's over a period of weeks or even a couple of months, uh, whenever you're ready to move forward, we can have documents prepared for you to sign off on your consumer proposal, get that protection, and have that great repayment plan to focus on. Now, a couple of things I want to mention as we close out this segment. You can learn more about how a consumer proposal could work for you and get started on that plan, that debt-free plan of yours, by giving Sands & Associates a call. It's 1-800-661-3030, and of course, that's toll-free. Uh, you can also go to their website, visit sands trustee. Com. And, of course, you're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton, a licensed insolvency trustee from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. So dealing with a debt problem goes far beyond just the financials. And Blair Manton wants you to know Sands & Associates is the best firm that you can choose at this point. They are BC's largest licensed insolvency trustee firm in the province, focused on debt help services for consumers, help thousands, obviously thousands of people get a, get out of from underneath their debt and really ultimately change their lives with that financial fresh, fresh start. So Blair's got some key messages of reassurance that he and his team want you to know. So do you want to start by telling us a little bit about Sands & Associates for anybody that doesn't know, a little bit about your history even? Yeah, certainly. So it uh, used to be called bankruptcy trustees, but Sands & Associates is a firm of licensed insolvency trustees, and we're the people you should call when you need a plan to deal with your debts. So if you find yourself being stressed about your finances, not sure where to turn, don't know how you're going to be making these payments, or you're making all your payments, but you know you'll be in debt for decades to come, uh, a trustee is the best person you can reach out to to get a plan to get you back to owing nobody anything, to being able to have some financial goals in your future, uh, and to really achieve what you want to achieve on a financial basis rather than spending all of your money you know, on interest charges or things that just reoccur every month and don't get you anywhere. Uh, we were founded in 1990 um, in Sands and Associates. I'm proud to say we've grown to become BC's largest firm of licensed insolvency trustees. And all we do is help people and small businesses deal with tough debt situations. So we're not a firm that does 100 different things to 100 different clients. We're very, very competent, very experienced, um, and very, uh, we have a great reputation um, in helping people when they find themselves in tough situations. I also like the fact that, that uh, Sands & Associates believes that money problems can happen to anyone at any time. It's, it's really quite astounding to me over the years that we've been talking about this, Blair, that it's for sometimes for folks, it's just one thing that will trigger a whole host of other things. And before you know it, you're in this pit of debt and you can't figure out how to deal with it. And I like the fact that you know that going in. 
Absolutely, Elaine. You know, we're, we're committed to an approach of genuine care and empathy. So with each of our staff, our, our goal is to treat every client that, that reaches out to us as if they were a close family member going through a very tough time. What sort of empathy and support would that person want to feel? And that's what we aim to provide as much as we can uh, when we're dealing with our clients. And what we really want people to know is that they do have support. There's qualified solutions. Uh, they need to know where to find them. Uh, but there's absolutely light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, there's there's no debt problem that doesn't have a solution. That's what really gives me so much energy every morning is knowing I'm going to face a bunch of problems on clients in, in different client situations, but I've got the solution to solve those problems because Canadian law is so great. It's very well written. I don't calculate the government a lot, but they did a great job uh, when they wrote their insolvency laws because it really does give somebody a chance to literally turn their life around uh, in a quicker and often less expensive means than they, than they thought possible. Um, you know, oftentimes what we do as insolvency trustees, you know, part of it is the numbers and it's understanding, well, you know, what can you afford to pay back and here's how the bankruptcy should be administered. Um, but what's really, um, you know, even more interesting and definitely more gratifying on a day-to-day basis is understanding what does it feel like to be in debt. So what's the current situation the clients are facing uh, when they pick up the phone or walk in the door? And it's oftentimes people are at one of the lowest points in their lives. And to be able to help them to suddenly start again, to rebuild that self-worth, to get back on track, you know, that could be just such a rewarding thing for myself and for my team here. And in terms of how it feels to be in debt, you know, no surprise to anybody, it doesn't feel good. And when we survey our clients every year, we do a very detailed um, survey over a period of a couple of months and release it to the media every year in January. Um, each year, it's very consistent. Over three in five people said the reason that they knew they had a debt problem was because overwhelming stress had manifested itself and they just couldn't ignore it anymore. Uh, for two thirds of people, Self-esteem was suffering because of being in debt. Uh, in a similar proportion, their health was suffering. So, um, you know, stress isn't good for anybody at any time. And definitely we're understanding more and more how physically stress can manifest itself to the point of, you know, even even causing death in, in certain people. So uh, definitely dealing with the financial stress can often have really significantly positive physical impacts. Um, and, you know, finally, as much as one in six people that reached out to us had said they had contemplated thoughts of suicide to deal with their financial situation. Again, for some, for a situation where we know there's a solution, we know people just need to reach out, to know that as, much, as many as one in six people just don't realize that uh, and really have some dark days and dark thoughts uh, just tells us we need to continue to do as much as we can to get the word out that empathetic and supportive debt solutions do exist. I'd, I'd like to keep talking about that part, Blair, because I think it's really important and is really significant for Sands and Associates in terms of how you and all of the staff in the offices uh, do your business and talk to people and support them and, and help them through this, the um, whatever situation. And I think the number one one that I've heard you say so many times is your your financial problems do not define you. And I think that is so embedded in people that it, that they believe it does. Um, and I think it comes from, you know, our parents and our parents' parents, et cetera, et cetera, you know, that have just sort of instilled that. But, but it's not true, especially in today's um, landscape where, boy, oh, boy, things can change so quickly for folks. 
Yeah, it's, it's often, you know, it's a sign of a very moral person to want to honor all of your obligations and your commitments. And when you think about it, you borrowed the money, you made a commitment that you were going to pay it back. And it's not comfortable to be in a situation where you can't meet a commitment that you've made. And oftentimes, the more moral and upstanding the person, you know, the harder that they can really take that and it can really cause, you know, a significant hit to their self-esteem and a sense of self-worth. Um, so, so much of our meetings, especially at first, is just helping people really separate that, really understand that, you know, being in debt is a temporary situation. It's not a permanent state. You are not defined by being in debt now. Um, you know, if you're in debt five years from now, well, that's, that's a bit of a challenge. You didn't take the steps and that's going to start to define you, but don't let that happen, you know. Um, it's not a reflection of you of your character, you or your character. And quite often, being in debt is often not your fault. So one of my colleagues, uh, her name is Darlene, one of her uh, pieces of advice that she put on her bio, which I thought was great, is she says, financial difficulties are not a reflection of who you are as a person. They're only a symptom of something bigger that you may have no control over. And this really played out in our survey as well. As many as four out of five individuals, when we really drilled down, what's the, what's the issue that caused you to have to file a bankruptcy or a proposal? Four of the five top main causes were illness, injury, or health-related problems not within your control, overextension of credit due to cost of living, outpacing income, generally not within your control. You're not con con controlling the inflation these days that's happening. Marital or relationship breakdown, oftentimes that can come without warning, and then job-related or job loss. So the vast majority of situations, when I sit down and I, and I, I hear an individual's uh, story of what they've been through and what they've done, Sometimes I can't find anything that they could have done different that would lead to a different outcome. And what they need to do is just start to forgive themselves a little bit for some of, you know, okay, maybe they could have tweaked a little thing here or there, but it wouldn't have resulted in a sea change to their situation. Uh, they need to be focused on what they can do now rather than judging themselves for, for their conduct in the past. Yeah, I think really good points, Blair. Um, if, if we're already describing you or someone you know and you think uh, they could use a hand, uh, get them to give Sands & Associates a call. The, the phone number is 1-800-661-3030. Or if you want to check out their website, please do that. It's sands-trustee.com. Now, I wanted to move on a little bit, Blair, and talk about some of the things that Sands & Associates and, and your estate managers want people to know when it comes mm -hmm to asking for help. Yeah, absolutely. I think really top on that list is you do deserve to live with dignity. So just because you're in debt doesn't mean that you have to submit yourself to harassment, to being berated, uh, to feeling like a failure. Uh, being in debt can cause a lot of shame, a lot of self-blame, uh, but everyone is deserving of a financial fresh start. And regardless of, of any of your debt situation, you absolutely do deserve to be treated with and to live with dignity and respect. So we try to emphasize that right from the start, uh, that as humans, we've got certain things that, you know, just a base level of dignity and respect is just endemic to us. Um, and we want people to understand as well, you know, life goes on and you can and will move beyond this current challenge. So it can be really, really tough in the moment in the eye of the storm to think out, you know, two, five or 10 years and know that eventually all this shall pass. Um, but absolutely, as I've often said, you know, debt always has a solution. It's not something that's going to persist for your entire life. So you will be able to move forward. Excellent. What are a couple of other ones? I know you've got I've got a few more listed that we want to talk about. Yeah, I think just one uh, last quote that I would say here, it's from my colleague Raj, um, on, on his bio, again, one of his key pieces of advice that he gives is we can't control what happened in the past, but we can help you understand where you're at today. 
so you can move forward to your goals and your debt-free future. So the more that we can get away from really dwelling on all that's happened in the past, all that we could have controlled or not, uh, really focus on the future, focus on that plan, get behind it and get enthused about it, um, that's where we're going to have the real transformation, the real change, the turnaround in people's lives. Are, are people or most people surprised to learn um, the kinds of things that come with figuring out debt and debt management? Every day. Um, Elena, they, sometimes it's, I enjoy my job because I feel like I'm giving good news a lot of times that people didn't anticipate. So, you know, a lot of times people feel like they're the only person facing their situation. No one's ever been through it before. And people are quite surprised to learn, um, you know, in 2019, there were almost 140,000 people in Canada across the country um, who worked with a a licensed insolvency trustee to file either a personal bankruptcy or a consumer proposal. So somewhere between 100 and 150,000 people year in, year out in Canada do restructure their debts, and so you're definitely not alone. Um, quite often people are really surprised to learn um, that credits and debts borrowing, credit ratings, how everything interacts is not how they, how they typically thought. Uh, and there's a lot of education in our counseling sessions about how credit ratings actually work, about how often keeping a perfect credit rating can be at the expense of your overall financial health. So I really enjoy that part of it of helping people understand, you know, yeah, credit rating is a report card. You don't need to have A pluses at every stage in your life. And sometimes um, the right decision is to take a short-term hit to your credit report, restructure all the debt, and then be in a better position to save money in the future and rebuild the credit over time. So oftentimes people are very surprised to see, okay, we can have a strategy with our credit rating. It doesn't need to just be perfect at every stage. Excellent. And how straightforward are debt solutions these days? And how, you know, how do the processes that people can choose from actually work? I know you've got some good, good statistics on that. Yeah, well, for most people, they're very surprised to know how how actually straightforward and easy it is to file either a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal. It's still something you don't go into lightly, but for 80% of people, they said if they knew how straightforward it was, they would have acted more quickly. So if you think it's a very difficult, convoluted process, it isn't. Um, and I think for another thing that people are sometimes surprised is when you're dealing with a licensed insolvency trustee, the, an LIT is not paid by commission, not paid by your creditors at all. So they really don't have a vested interest in you pursuing one option or another. An LIT is just an impartial um, an officer of the court, essentially, to help you understand what your options are and help you choose the right option to move forward. I'm going to give you the phone number again. It's 1-800-661-3030 to uh, get that first appointment. Sands-trustee.com is the website. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. Now, uh, relationships, man, oh, man, uh, there's so many things that can go or that can cause problems in relationships, but money, debts, uh, financial issues have to be right up there at the very top. And that's what this segment is all about. Um, and it's about giving you options and giving you things that you can actually do or things you can think about. Dealing with debt and finances can be a pretty big source of stress for people and that gets even more amplified in any kind of relationship. And Blair, it's so great. You're going to share some tips to help mitigate, maybe avoid some of those call, uh, common challenges that uh, debt can bring to those really significant relationships. Um, Blair, what do you think, or is there one that stands out for you as a key issue uh, that debt causes in uh, in people's relationships these days? You know, Elaine, there, there's so much into, into that question. I'm so happy we're going to spend some time talking about that today um, because it absolutely is the case. Money can be probably the number one stressor in many couples' relationships. It can literally drive, drive them apart, unfortunately. Uh, but what's really 
awesome is that when you solve that problem, and I've seen this, you know, firsthand for many years now, uh, the couples can actually rebound and be that much stronger by facing a money problem head on and having good communication, open communication, uh, and pursuing solutions together. So it can be a huge source of stress, but, uh, you know, comparing to some solutions that don't have, some problems that don't have a straightforward solution, this one does. You know, the answer um, to dealing with a lot of debt problems is getting the right information, choosing the right person to assist you, and then committing to the process that's going to get you back on track. And there's a ton of things to consider when you start, um, you know, to become a couple or start to live together or get married. And a lot of the times, the assumptions that we've made, or maybe we've heard, you know, very financially sophisticated people in our lives say that it's a definitive truth, uh, are actually not the case when it comes to debt. So a couple of big things that I see when I sit down with couples uh, is there's often a misunderstanding about legal responsibilities to creditors. So many people are under the impression that if you marry, or if you're common law because you're cohabitating with somebody. If you marry somebody, you also marry the debt. And for anyone that listens to us on a long period of time, you know we come back to this again and again. It's so important for people to know it's absolutely false. There's no automatic liability that spouses assume just by being married. So, for example, if I owe the bank $10,000 for a loan I took out as a sole borrower and then I get married, bank is not suddenly able to turn to my spouse to pay that debt if I stop making the payments. So just by being married, the bank is not suddenly in some better position where now they've got two people they can collect for. It's literally whoever's name is on the invoice, on the loan agreement, on the bills or whatever. Um, That's the person that is liable, not their spouse. Now, in some cases, a spouse can be responsible for debt through marriage or cohabitation, but that's generally if you've, on an eyes-wide-open basis, you've co-signed for that debt. Maybe it's a loan, a lease, or a credit card. So whether you understood all the implications or not, you actually physically put your signature on the dotted line to be responsible for the debt. In that case, yes, you would have a joint responsibility with the other borrower. And the other scenario is if, unfortunately, if the relationship dissolves, if there's a divorce, or if the cohabitation uh, breaks down, there is the ability for one partner to say, you know, that $10,000 debt I was mentioning before, well, I actually took that out to use that for the benefit of the entire couple during our relationship, and therefore, I want to make a claim against my spouse for half of that debt. So spouses can claim against each other, for joint debts if the relationship is breaking down. But where I said before, that 10000 I think I picked Royal Bank. Royal Bank, for example, can't claim half from this spouse. It's just between spouses. Does that make sense, Elaine? Yeah, it does. Uh, and it's really good information because it's such an, it's like an old wives tale, uh, so to speak, mm-hmm. where, you know, you marry somebody, you marry their debts, you marry everything. Um, and that's just not the case. So I'm really glad that, that that was the focus. Um, so here's the deal. If you already know that it's time to take some action, if you're in a situation, you're thinking, oh, yikes, I, I don't know what to do next. I know I need to do something. Give Sands and Associates a call. It's 1-800-661-3030. So um, let's move forward then, Blair. What's your recommendations to folks uh, to avoid or try to resolve these kinds of situations that, that people find themselves in? Yeah, there's a few tried and true methods that, you know, if you apply this in every situation, you know, hopefully you're going to avoid being in, in somewhere that you hadn't anticipated ending up. And the first is just to be totally clear on what you're actually committing to. So you want to proceed with extreme caution before you're agreeing to co-sign or co-borrow with another person or business, family member, whoever. Just really be aware that even if you think that this person is never going to default, you'll never be called on um, to, to deal with, with the co-signed responsibility, if you are 
Cosigning is what's called a joint and several liability. So a lot of people think if they cosign, okay, I'm one of four borrowers, that means my worst exposure is 25% of the debt. Well, no, you're one of four borrowers. It could be 40 borrowers. Whoever doesn't pay the debt, um, whoever's able to pay the debt is going to be charged 100% of that balance. That's what joint and several liability means. So if you have a joint debt with your spouse because you've co-signed and the spouse is unable to pay anything on that debt, you're not on the hook for 50 cents on the dollar. You're on the hook for 100% of that debt. So you want to definitely understand what it means when you co-sign a debt. And then also read the fine print of any loan agreements because sometimes there could be an acceleration clause, which could allow the creditor to demand full payment immediately if the borrower breaks any term of the agreement, maybe even misses just a couple of payments. And this could be, you know, you help somebody by co-signing for a consolidation loan, they miss a couple of payments, and suddenly the bank is asking you for $10,000 instead of, you know, $300 a month for the next number of years. So you've got to be very careful you know what you're signing on for. Uh, But a second really important thing, you know, beyond reading all the fine print, is not trying to hide any of your money or your financial issues. Um, You know, within the couple, honest and clear and open communication is always your best interest, but seeking support from a licensed insolvency trustee right away, if you find the debts are starting to impact your relationship, is always good advice. So if you find your emotional health, your mental health, a lot of people feel physical manifestations of the stress of debt, that's not going to help your relationship get better. It's going to, you know, work at cross purposes to that. So definitely you want to seek professional help and have that open and transparent conversation with your partner as well. Now, I know that, and just going ahead a little bit, I know that that's a very significant uh, bit of piece that you really live by in terms of making sure your clients try to follow this the best they can is that openness in the conversations about situations. And I, and I know that that's one of the keys for you when it comes to just kind of managing budgets for, let's say, your household or the marriage or, you know, just keeping the, the household up probably is the best way to describe that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Elaine, you're, you're talking to the guy who was on CTV uh, Morning Live and Global Morning Live telling people, well, on your third date, you probably want to get your credit report and review the credit report <laughs> together, have some financial intimacy. Um, I actually got really good re- responses based on that because it is a good practice. And, you know, maybe it's being a, a little bit flippant, not on the third date, but I'd say before you're married, uh, you definitely want to be sitting down reviewing your credit reports together, understanding the situation that each person is in and understanding clearly you can each take different routes um, to get to, you know, dealing with the debt and making the couple financial financially better off. Um, you know, I know we've got just a couple minutes here. I think one other pitfall that I see couples often fall into, and sometimes this can be, you know, rather tragic in the outcome, is just that one person has done it all forever. One person in the relationship, whether it's the husband or the wife, is dealing with the money because quite often, well, they're good with money and I'm not. And, you know, I just never learned, you know, where all the accounts were and what we had to do. And the thing to take away from this is that no one is born with money management skills. So just because one spouse is better with numbers now um, doesn't mean, you know, they were naturally born that way. And it doesn't mean you can't get there too. And we have meetings that sometimes can be a little bit sad where a spouse has unfortunately passed away and the surviving spouse can barely make heads or tails of what's out there and what's owed and where this money is going to, you know, can they access the funds from a bank account that didn't have their name on it? So you just really want to make sure that it's not, you know, one person handles the finances with no input from the other, that it's a shared priority between the couple because you'll have a much better outcome dealing with life's challenges um, and, you know, even getting the right help at the right time by making sure that you're both well-informed in the state of finances 
of the couple. Yeah, and uh, I mean, uh, once you're able to do that, then if something bad does happen or a debt is incurred at a huge rate or all of a sudden you have this thing that you've got to deal with, it's something that you can both take action on. Mm-hmm. You can avoid the blame and the shame, which you know doesn't help anything. It doesn't make you feel better. No, no, exactly. Such good information, Blair. The other thing that I want to throw in here as we wind this segment up is the website. Your website is so good for all of this information. Uh, first of all, it's sands-trustee.com. And there's just such good questions and thoughtful answers to regular questions that people have before they sit down with you or after they sit down with you in that first appointment just to get some clarification or just to really understand something that they didn't understand before. It's sands-trustee.com. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates. So this is an interesting segment. It is so current uh, because you know, Blair, that people are already dealing with, I'm talking about CERB, um, and and what we're going to find out in this segment is learn what we can do if we can't afford to repay that CERB. And of course, CERB is that Canada Emergency Response Benefit that thousands and thousands of people took advantage of in a good way because it was needed. And now not so much, or at least now you've got to repay it. I mean, does everybody have to repay it? I have to admit, I'm not up to date on all the CERB stuff, Blair. Yeah, these are all really good questions. And just in terms of the uptake on, on this program, so if you remember back, you know, the, the very um, tough times of March 2020, the start, first lockdowns of the pandemic, you know, this was the government stepping in and saying, you know, people need to have a basic income. If they're, you know, working in the restaurant sector, we've closed all the restaurants, we're telling people to stay home, you know, they need some money coming in the door. So the government acted very quickly, um, you know, to get $2,000 a month out to just about anybody who said they were eligible. So the government wasn't checking anything they were saying you know based on an individual certifying just a couple of questions within a couple of days they would have the money hit their account um, and we said you know it was thousands of thousands of people that got that money well it was actually about 40 percent of the labor market in canada about eight or nine million people wow uh, some payments from CERB. It just blew me away when I saw that number the first time. Um, so odds are if one or several people in your life, if you're listening here, um, has received CERB or maybe yourself as well. Um, so what CERB was, it was the Canada Emergency Response Benefit. It was $2,000 for every four-week period. And there were a few reasons why the government is saying now, well, that money that you got, you may not have been entitled to it. And we're starting to go back and starting to take some gradual steps towards collections, which we know are going to get more intense, but there can be some reasons why um, you know they're going to try to collect CERB, uh, the government's going to try to collect on the CERB payments, is that you applied for it and later determined that you weren't eligible. Um, in some cases, people didn't meet the $5,000 income eligibility requirement, uh, and in some cases, the government wasn't very clear on that, whether it was gross income or net income for self-employed individuals. Uh, for some individuals, they got served, but then they ended up earning more income than they had anticipated. So maybe they went back to work sooner, they had some retroactive pay from their employer. Uh, when CRA does the math, well, they weren't actually entitled to the money that they got. 
And then in some cases, we've seen individuals that received SIR from both EI and Service Canada, sorry, from both EI and Service Canada and CRA for the same period. So you could apply under two different umbrellas uh, if the systems had been robust and, you know, not just thrown together very quickly to deal with a crisis. They probably would have caught these duplicate payments, but we're seeing individuals who were receiving sometimes $4,000 a month instead of $2,000 a month. And, you know, you can imagine if you're getting notices or information from CRA now that you might have to repay some of that debt, that can be very distressing. And, you know, what we've seen is the vast majority of clients that have come forward to discuss with us about serve overpayments, they're not in any position to repay that money. What serve was aimed at was immediate living expenses. It was to get you to pay your rent, to pay the groceries, to keep, you know, the food and shelter um, as it's needed. Um, so it's no surprise that just about anybody who received these funds, it was spent pretty immediately just to literally keep the lights on. Um, so now what CRA is saying, Thing, um, is that if you received benefits that you weren't entitled to, you're first be sent a notice of redetermination. So they're going to say, well, we've now determined you weren't entitled to those benefits. If you can't pay the overpayment debt in full now, no interest or penalty will be applied on the COVID-19 benefit overpayment debt. So that's a change with CRA. Again, they're being more lenient than they have been in the past. But starting this year, um, if you have a balance owing, CRA may start to keep your future payments. So it could be tax refunds, GST credits, those quarterly checks that people like to get as a, as a surprise, nice surprise from the government. You may not get those if you have a serve overpayment. Um, but what's really shocking to me here is if you're receiving EI benefits from the government, serve debt will be recovered by Service Canada automatically at 50% of your EI benefit rate. Well, what does that mean? So let's say you were expecting $1,800 a month as EI, you needed to pay your rent and your groceries. If you've got a serve overpayment, the government's probably going to pay you half of that EI, which is going to put people in an incredibly difficult situation. So my eyes kind of jumped out when I, when I saw that. I'm like, wow, that is harsh. 50% of EI income is going to put some people in a very difficult situation. Yeah. I just want to mention, if you already know that you're in a situation that you could use some help and want to sit down with a licensed insolvency trustee and figure out how to, what to do and how to do it, uh, 1-800-661-3030 is the number for Sands & Associates. So um, what if someone believes they won't be able to repay their CERB debt? What about government what about government collections? Because I, I, my sense is, not even knowing the answer, Blair, is that they're going to come after the money. Oh, yeah. So this is right away we can confirm this is not a debt that there's going to be any statute of limitations towards. It's not, you know, like a credit card. If they don't sue you in two years, they lose the right to sue you. With government debt, there's no expiry. So whether it's now or whether it's later, the government is going to collect on this debt. Uh, as we said, at present, they're taking a milder approach, we'll say, but CRA is the most powerful creditor. It's the last person you would ever want uh, to owe money to because what they can do with virtually no notice to you is take extreme steps that any other creditor would have to hire a lawyer, go to court, give you notice, spend a bunch of money. But CRA, with very little notice, can garnish your wages. Um, they can take not just employment income, they can take CPP, as we mentioned, EI. Um, they can take any source of income can be garnished. And typically, if it's a 
creditor. Um, there are limits to 30% of your income. CRA has no such limits. I've seen them garnish 100% of CPP debt. So literally someone's pension plan, I've seen them take 100% of that. They're not going to start there with serve over payments, but depending on how things go year after year, I would expect this balance to fall into the same categories of how they approach other debts. Uh, they could seize your future income tax re- re- refunds or benefits. Um, they could pre- place holds or literally take the money out of your bank account. Uh, and then they could also place a lien on any of your assets. This is most commonly with your real estate. And that would mean, you know, if you got the home with a bunch of equity, when the mortgage comes up for renewal, your lender is probably going to require that you do what you have to do to pay out CRA and they would get their money at that point. So they've got just a ton of remedies. None of them are going to be enjoyable to find someone's registered on title to your home or starting to take your wages. And we expect to see more and more of that um, as 2022 moves on and we get further distance between when these CERB funds were advanced. But that's where a licensed insolvency trustee can come in because you, you treat it like a, an, a regular or not a regular debt, but, but the other debts that we've talked about. That's exactly right, Elaine. That's what what folks should take hope about um, is that, yes, this is a severe debt. CRA has a lot of power, but a licensed insolvency trustee can stop CRA dead in their tracks with almost all of these actions. So if your wages are being seized, you come and see a trustee. We do either a proposal or a bankruptcy, and that wage seizure has to stop the next day. If they haven't registered on title to your property, if we do a bankruptcy or a proposal, they're not able to register on title to your property. So we can forestall CRA from taking action, or if they have taken action, we can generally undo a lot of what's hurting you, but it does require that you reach out, that you get the right help at the right time uh, from the right professional. And if you know you have a CRA or a CERB debt, you know, not filing your tax returns is not a viable option. You know, it might last for a year or so, but eventually CRA knows the money that went out. They also have all the other sources of income. Um, you know, all of your T4s are logged to CRA. Eventually they're going to do your taxes for you. It's called an arbitrary assessment. And I can pretty well guarantee you won't like the result. It'll be a high balance and so and then they'll come even harder to collect. So the right answer is to file the taxes every year. And if you're aware of a CERB debt that's going to be coming towards you, start to get advice now from a trustee so you can get that protection. You can stop CRA from taking any further aggressive actions against you. And I think, uh, you know, the other thing to keep in mind is you're not alone. I mean, what did you say the number was, Blair? How many people took CERB? Yeah, between uh, took the- eight and nine million, about 40% of the labor force. Right. And so there's a percentage of that, that of those people that it was of great benefit and they were able to utilize it properly and all that stuff. And then it'll be interesting to know what percentage of people really need some help with it now as they're just trying to manage it. And that's the key is Sands and Associates. No judgment, just solutions and support. Visit sands-trustee.com or give them a call at 1-800-661-3030. And that's toll free. You've been listening to Dollars and Cents. See you next time. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.